Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to Evolving Digital Self. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta, and today I'm very excited to introduce to you a new friend. His name is James Roberts, and James has been doing the most incredible work. He is, well, I'll let you explain it to our folks yourself, because you can obviously tell your story better, but he is the founder of Fit Amputee, and he's got an incredible story. I'm, I'm so excited to hear more about how uh, technology has impacted your industry. Welcome, James. Thank you very much, Heidi. Thanks for having me on your show. Tell the folks a little bit of your background so that when we get into it, they can understand a little bit more about where you're coming from in the context. Well, I'm a transformational coach for fellow amputees, as you said in the introduction. And not only that, am I a coach? I've got a, and I downplay it too much, and I think to not do that so much now. I have a career spanning just over a decade of international sport, where I had the opportunity of representing Great Britain at countless world championships and two Paralympics, just to name a few. That's pretty awesome. That is definitely not something you want to underplay. Congratulations. That's awesome. So, I mean, that experience in itself, of course, you know, me and my global nomad hacks, my head's going the other direction. I'm like, I want to hear about that experience too. But let's get into, you know, because there's sort of two sides here. You have the training aspect and which is much more sort of the mental mindset piece. And then you also have the physical piece of training and Obviously, when you're dealing with people with, you know, amputees, they have different challenges than your traditional fitness environment and different challenges in the same, in the mindset environment. What are some of the things that you have seen that have really shifted, particularly in the last 10 years, that might have been aided for, by technology and your ability to do that work? I think from a technology perspective, obviously, uh, as we discussed off air previously, I think the inapt of the the applications, be it wearable technology, the phone applications themselves, be it, if I name the few, be Apple Watch, Samsung, probably plethora of others that I, I can't think of the top of my head, and be it like apps like MyFitnessPal, just to name that one off the top of my head. And I think just that ability for the regular person in the street to get some sort of connection with the fitness industry without having to spend either, even I, I didn't even mention this in the in the inter- introduction when you said to introduce myself, I have spent probably f- five years at university as well as my sport to get my education, as well as then going on to do to my, my personal training qualification. So it, I think it enables the regular Joe on the street to be able to have an access to that resource without obviously either spending the time or the money having to get that qualification. That in itself is amazing. And I think that we're seeing that now, particularly with education and the ability to do remote education and remote training. My mother, my 80-year-old mother is working with her personal trainer via Zoom during the quarantine. I mean, the ability to be able to get access to the tools that are necessary through using devices so that you can have sort of that accountability with your trainer. Is that something that you use with your clients to 
Or is it just self-accountability? Or do you actually have them share their data with you so you can... Uh... I've, it's a bit of a mixture, Heidi. I think I've gone probably through a 180-degree turn in my business from going from the very beginnings of it five years ago, being in the gym, to be to, to my own probably ailments with having to, we talked about obviously commute, that was having an enormous amount of strain on my physical and probably mental well-being. So I kind of said, well, I need to adapt and go online because ultimately all being well, yes, I was making more money then, but it was taking a physical toll on maybe having to, I'd be getting home at 11, 12 o'clock at night. And then the next day I'd have to get up at five o'clock in the morning. So be that over a number of weeks and months that takes a toll physically on, on you. So I was like, well, I can't do that to myself. How can I adapt the business that I can go in a completely different and tangible direction? So I kind of went online. How do I do that? And obviously I was lucky that some had faith to stick with me and come from the, the normal day to day gym environment to kind of run with it and have their own accountability to, to, to do the exercise and not have to have me physically into the room to now, now that we're in quarantine, I've kind of gone with a hybrid model that it's probably the best of both worlds. And obviously people are a little bit more, well, biting my hand off to be able to have that opportunity. It's like, well, I don't know where to start. So I think that having that expertise of having that person that knows what they're doing in the room has been a benefit to kind of say, well, I can be there with you. It gives me some structure and routine to my day because ultimately I need to show up and help them get better themselves. And then obviously they progress because they can be in their rest period, ask me. And in real time, depending on the internet connection, obviously because I have no control of that, but they can ask in real time, am I doing this correctly? I can get the real time feedback as I can either see that it's too easy or too difficult or I get their feedback to say well James this is slightly a little more taxing but to answer your question a little bit further with that Heidi obviously with the app that I use as trainerize and there's for for coaches themselves it's like I think there's off the top of my head about three other ones that you could use and that's my problem my one of choice whatever data that they want to use so if they've got the the extra gadget that we talked we talked about before, I think one of the clients has got Fitbit, so that information will, will will work in sync with that app. So I get a plethora of data, be it I think one one client needs for just for argument's sake, I have his blood pressure measurements, his step count, his weight, and then also whether or not he's doing the training. I get all that information. So. I think it, it helps, uh, and I'd, I had recommended to somebody that never used an application in one of my Facebook group that I run, the Amputee Coach, to help fellow amputees lose ten plus pounds. He kind of said, "Well, gosh, I couldn't. I didn't realize you could get this." I, I would say, from the conversation, it was probably overkill. It's like, oh, there's so much information. Yeah. However, if you had a coach, I can dissect that information, take what I need from it. Here's what you need. Here's what's important from that information. Obviously, everything extra is, I could make sense of it. Maybe for you, it's kind of overkill. It's kind of, you kind of going, oof, that's just too much information. I mean, I think that that's great to be able to have access to those tools. How are those tools any different than, say, 
when you're live, can you get more integrated data? And are there tools that you wish you could go a little bit deeper? For example, to be able to measure their sleep or to be able to measure their heart rate variability, things like that. Have you suggested that with your clients or do you feel that just getting, you've got enough data, it sounds like almost too much data for the clients. Would it be helpful to you to get some of the more passive data that that really corresponds with how is that impacting their well-being beyond how is their fitness, if that makes sense? I think, yeah, I think yes and no, because ultimately, I think from a fitness professional, you don't want to give the client too much to overthink and you want to keep it simple. But if we use me as the example, where I say no is because ultimately I will overanalyze because I've got it as an application with it within this, having the two Samsung devices, my my watch and my phone being synced. My watch will then tell my phone what aspects of sleep did I get the night before. So I think if you are a like-minded individual like myself, that can be too much information and you become too analytical of it and kind of get, well, okay, this aspect of it was, did I really sleep as well as it's saying? And you can kind of second guess yourself. Whereas I think where that can be kind of negative way of thinking in terms of your mental well-being is you become too comprehensive in terms of, oh, I need to consume this information mm-hmm. and kind of get too overdone by the numbers and the analytics of it, be it, I think mine looks at restlessness, light sleep, and motionless. Whereas your audience sleep goes a step, step further than that because you've got REM sleep where you are technically, you've got rapid eye movement. Whereas that application doesn't take that into account as, because I think one day it said I was restless and I was awake. So mm-hmm. I was like, you're telling me I'm asleep. And I know for that period of time that be it, I think it was about an hour, I was awake, I was on my phone listening to music, I was just not moving. Yep. So it's like, well, how accurate is the technology in terms of if you really dissect it and go into the depths? So I try and disattach from that and say, well, okay, ultimately, do I feel rested? And I won't go into it. It'll be because you can you you can have obviously elements of self doubt where you start kind of second guessing yourself in terms of your sleep because people I have spoken to they worry about going to sleep yeah well, you're not going to go to sleep worried about I've kind of if I've had second guess myself with the sleep I've kind of thought of well what positive attachment can I have be it doesn't have to be today uh, as we're recording this what brought me an element of joy let me have that in my head before I go to sleep. And then if I want to look at the analytics of it later on, it is interesting, but you can, I think you can overthink things in terms of technology. For sure. There. What about in, in terms of hardware? I mean, obviously we've seen a lot of incredible innovation that's been happening in terms of artificial limbs, all kinds of different things and how that mm-hmm. is the the implications that that has on the ability to even participate in sports for some people. What are some of the things that you have seen particularly that have been profound for you that have really made a difference for your clients? From a technology perspective, uh, I'll, I'll throw a curveball to you then, Heidi. Um, sure. My client has got one of these 
Oh, what would you call it? It is, tech, is, it is an advancement in technology from a prosthetic standpoint, as in terms that it will, on normal surface, it's got a brain of itself, so it can adjust on the fly. But some of the basic things that, because I've got a mechanical knee, mm-hmm. things I take for granted to be able to do exercise, that leg is non-compliant. Mm-hmm. It won't allow him to, it's something he's got to go back to the private company when it's safe to do so and kind of say, well, this leg needs to be allow me to do this because ultimately it should be a, my good leg can do it. This is holding me back. So it, that was quite interesting to kind of say, well, we've had to kind of adjust where with somebody who has a mechanical leg, it would be easy. It'd be like, okay, can we do this? Yes, no. His is like, he needs an upgrade. Do this? No, not necessarily an upgrade. It, I, I think it's because it's not been tested in, in that, that arena yet in terms of, it's been set for either walking, cycling, and maybe because with the exercise, it's not been thought about, or it might not be something in the database in terms of being able to do it from a functional standpoint as to what is the angle of motion that is going to be stressed upon in terms of, I think, if we kind of go from one client to other, they were talking about, well, what can you do to, to standardize a normal squat? It's like, well, without having to see you and see how you're squatting right now and how do we adjust from you looking at YouTube videos from an able-bodied perspective, I can't answer that question in a message because I don't know how your functionality and mobility is being impacted by the prosthetic. So I can't answer it there on it. So I think you do need to take a very much a case-by-case approach in terms of one size doesn't fit all. And I think you can go a step further with that with, with the amputee community in terms of, yes, there are certain elements that are a crossover, but I have to go probably a step further with certain people beyond their experience as a gym user. And I use that loosely because obviously that doesn't exist where <laughs> I live at the moment, albeit their experience of how long they've had the limb itself and what level of condition there is there's like a multitude of, of layers that i have to be able to be resourceful in being able to and pick and choose from and kind of say well you are beginner level based on your ability of training and your conditioning but there are other areas where i might have to go even lower than a beginner to kind of say well where you're at so i think it, you do take a case-by-case approach as, in terms of i've got like gen- generic approaches well i know where you're coming from so i'll put you here at the moment but i think where zoom has allowed me to kind of go a step further with all the clients is kind of say you can pick holes and, and change certain aspects okay i can give you the training plan to do that the, with the off days that you're not seeing me but I'll tweak it completely when you see me because then I get you a, a different stimulus and your muscles don't know what's hit them because it's like, okay, we think we're going to be doing this today and I've thrown a fastball to you and, and I've obviously said to the clients, this is what I'll do, but the body won't know what's hit it because it's like, oh, we weren't expecting that. So I think mm-hmm. it is it is testing the individual. It's testing me to probably think outside the box a little bit more in terms of, okay, this is your problem. Okay, let's try this. Okay, it doesn't work. Let's try that and see how they adapt. So be it, I had a client wanted to do core on the weekend. It's like, yeah, thank you very much. That's making, I can be very sadistic now. 
but it gave me uh, an ability to regress with his training to kind of say okay and then he gave me feedback that the leg he had to he had to make modifications a little bit so okay one side is stronger than the other which i it was always going to be the case however you were able to do it and adjust and then that's some information i can feed back onto other amputees that maybe maybe struggling with that particular challenge with planks because i think somebody said to me the other day that i made it look effortless I was like, well, it's effortless for me because I've got years and years of training to go back on. And I was setting the, the ground or the baseline quite low because I was doing, running a challenge from the beginning of this month till the end to get people's core strength up. And obviously it have uh, implications on posture and balance there on after. And just to see feedback to people, it's like, well, yes, it's easy for me to do 15 seconds, but I can probably hold a plank for 30 seconds. A little bit of a struggle, but I can progress to where the, the one of the guys is holding it probably minute 30. So I've kind of tested the boundary. So, okay, we'll push yours that way fast. So it's still hard for you. And the other guys will get stronger as we progress. And, and then obviously that helps their quality of life. So it seems like, I mean, obviously core is absolutely critical, but are you finding a huge variability in terms of just the functionality in the end, the the prosthetics as to when they receive them, they may have ones that are further advanced and the variability that there are within the prosthetic space of sort of what people have access to, whether it's from economic means or whether it's from whatever the sources are, I would imagine that that would have a big impact on sort of their ability to apply different techniques. You know, core is one thing, but when you're dealing with whatever the, I'm not sure what the term is, but the attachment place for whatever the prosthetic is, is going to be so varied. Where have you seen some technologies which really stand out or maybe have not, you know, really need some upgrading and updating in order to aid the activity process, I guess, uh, or the ability to train? I think technology could go a step backwards. And this is my opinion now, because based on if you have the financial means to be able to do this and you did it from day dot you have a reliance on that technology device to do based on what we were talking about because there's the brain inside the knee and there's also one if you've got a little bit more money you can get an artificial intelligence in the ankle as well so be it if you've never gone on a prosthetic before do you then become reliant on that device compensating for balance posture the gravitude of an incline on a slope versus with me with a mechanical one having to actually work with the muscles to get the the muscular balances to be able to do it from a a anatomical standpoint versus technology i would say probably it's a combination of the two because you want to be able to have something that is going to aid you when it is difficult because the musculature is either undeveloped because it's not used as much or it's become weak because ultimately there are going to be some imbalances in the body after amputation or being born with it you need to have a compensate so it's probably a combination of the two where i would see they need to work hand in hand be it the, obviously the, the technologies would it being it's obviously happening with arm amputees quicker because there's less nerves in the arm versus the leg so 
that technology is not commonplace, but it's coming. And I think the legs are not that far behind, but ultimately there's going to be more teething problems because there's more nerve endings, there's more muscles to be manipulated to be able to have that mind-muscle connection to it. So I think it's coming. Obviously, you have osteointegration that's coming to the fore now where there's obviously the argument with for and against because of hygiene and infections and, and all that. And obviously, if we go a step further than that with the think what they're doing from a American standpoint where they're looking at giving those prosthetic users the option they have to be above amputee in both either arm or leg and be very very active before they even look at giving them whereas ultimately where i think the user maybe needs to look at it a step further and this is something i've discussed in my group about it and somebody made me light of it and i think that they have some common sense where they're talking about it the femur is not designed to take the impact of of walking and also be it what would it be europa ulna and humerus and not designed to take that much impact because anybody knows if they hit their elbow on something or catch it it hurts so it's not designed to be taking massive impacts and the same with the femur in terms of yes it's designed to take some load but it would have the tibia and fibula to take most of the brunt and then the bottom of your foot to limit that impact so i think from that basis that's a technology element okay it's metal into bone versus technology to to muscle but i think it's giving people different options obviously i would not go down that route but that's because i'm congenital i've kind of got my head around the emotional aspects of certain things and being able to be comfortable where I don't need surgery to ultimately help be at my gait, uh, walking or my physical appearance because I've been given all the information from family doctors because of the amount of bones I'm missing. It's no point doing it because it'd be having surgeries for the sake of it and what implications that would have physically and mentally and we're talking about t- almost 20 years ago if i'd have done it where would i be now versus accepting where i was as technically i should be able to walk anyway but being not told that and just running with it and then ultimately okay that's the hand i've been dealt with i can't have this procedure and i can't remember it's a canadian procedure where they break the leg and flip it round. where i've got the my to give people some, some context to be able to imagine this now i've got my bottom off my leg so i've got below the knee attached to the hip so they would break oh, what wow. is where the ankle is yeah. flip it round and your heel would then become the knee joint and your articulation in, in that joint then so i obviously made the decision well i'll leave it as is it makes people obviously other amputees gag but that's their perception i take it on the chin because it, it, yes, it doesn't look like yours, but some other people might find that disturbing if they've got their limb. So I think for me, I was content. It's like, well, it's no point having the surgery. And when I've seen other people with it, yes, they can walk, they put more pressure on it than I can. But what does that their lead on it after in the future? Who knows? Yeah. So just to give a little bit of background, because you've told me a little bit and I've read a little bit. Can you help? the digital softwares understand a little bit of sort of 
you know, what your condition is, what led you to being a Paralympic athlete rather than an Olympic athlete. And, you know, just your general, I mean, if, if you're willing to share a little bit of your background as no, to absolutely. how you I'm got. To share. Okay. Because I think that gives a little more my, context. My disability is called femoral dysplasia or PF. I can't remember what the acronym for it is because it's that's something new that I've learned from my prosthetist. So it's like, oh, I went and Googled it. So, okay, that's what it is. I can't remember what it, the, the initials is, but I think I sent it to you. So I do not have my femur bone. I've got a small, let's see if I get this right, tibia. We don't think I've got a fibula. So technically I've got one bone to be able to, to be able to walk on. And then obviously all the bones in the foot. So the meta, this is a test me anatomy from my university days, my metatarsals in my feet. So in essence, the radiographer said to my mom before I was born, it's like, well, he shouldn't be able to walk. So let's not tell him. So be it where that can be a positive from a mindset perspective there's no what ifs but okay it took me longer to crawl took me longer to walk but i'm here 34 years later walking so obviously now with crutches but i think and somebody to give some context to your audience i was out walking on there we tuesday on sunday as we're recording and some said are your inspiration but I obviously downplayed it a little bit because the, the lady in question has muscle wastage uh, disease and she was out riding her bike. It's like, well, I'm not the inspiration. I'm got my, obviously I'm wearing shorts and using crutches. What you're able to do to be able to be just out and about and taking, not taking no for an answer to be able to exercise and dismissing that disease. I would take that more as inspirational to be me yourself able-bodied listeners than myself okay i'm i'm just going about my daily exercise which is now positive now for from more from a mental perspective and i'm not willing to be going down the route of okay i'm going to rest on my laurels sit in the house wallow in self-pity and get more and more disabled which i would never do anyway because it's going against my core belief of being very very fit and active where I would be fighting against myself so that I'm not, I don't see myself as motivational, inspirational. I'm just doing something to be as active as I can be. Obviously can't do the sports that or sport that I love, which was more upper body based anyway. So I'm probably more active with my legs now than I ever was to a certain extent over the last probably at least 12 months. But I would say she was more inspirational because ultimately a disease that's muscle wasting can put you in a wheelchair you're not or worst case scenario you're not you're bed bound so i think her i think she needs to maybe take a leaf out of my hat and be a little bit well what i'm able to achieve is more powerful than i think it is and obviously she did have some insecurities of, of being either being stared at looked i could care less it's, that's probably why i'm content to be it is warm now in may that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it more from the weather perspective than to be able to be a figure or a role model to look up to. I, it probably gives people a warm feeling to say, well, he's not giving up in this time of fear and stress. So I, you do see people smile, wave, and what? kind of being, I won't say more upbeat of seeing me, but I guess it probably bring 
an aspect of happiness and and kind of well, okay, whatever bad's going in in my situation, he's kind of taking a good out of a bad situation. That's how I look at it. It's like, well, I'm not gonna to fixate on this being achievement or a goal orientation, which is more, I think, with me speaking to a counselor about with mental health, he's like, don't pin anything goal oriented, put, put, put a specific time frame and would you, it's like, well, in fairness to myself, everything, even you will see behind me is technically an achievement. So it's very difficult to detach my state of being from an achievement because be it this. But uh, you're an athlete. Room. That's what you do. You have a, you know, you have yeah, a goal so and you very, go to so it. It's and... very difficult to be able to detach. So I think what I'm telling clients and people that I'm talking to, now, it doesn't matter what the walk is. I think we did two, what would be two kilometers? I think 1.5 miles, maybe a little bit more yesterday, but it didn't feel like it. So I think as a family, we're getting faster, but we're not fixating on the distance or the time. It's just, just doing it, appreciating that time together in terms of just what well, it's good. I know I'm getting stronger because I wouldn't, I think we did it about, maybe a couple of days ago and it was a bit more strenuous. So let's get, so I can see the two tangibles coming together. And that's one reason not fix over, over data. It's For sure. Because you could get fixating. Well, okay. It's good that we're not the walk. We're there in the walk. So it's, you can't say, well, one day I feel bad. One day I feel good. Well, those two walks aren't even the same. So I think whereas some people might be inclined to go, well, today is bad. Yesterday was good. And I kind of say it was, it's trying to take the best. If that's your best day, that's your best day. Even if it is relatively crap in perspective, even if I do have a bad day, so okay, that's the best mm-hmm. I can do today. Well, that's I think good. it's a great mindset. And, and I want to, I want to switch a little bit over before we close up. I want to talk a little bit about mindset and some of the things that you may use with your clients in order to help them with just thinking about, I mean, passing on your positive mindset, but do you work with meditation apps or anything like that, or, you know, different routines or gratitude practices, whatever it is, but are there things, tools that that you use with your clients around the mindset piece? Because I would imagine that that is something that's a really big part of their motivation to get out and just be active. Um. I do, but I kind of have the moments of kind of coming into and going between because I use Headspace, but I'll go a period of time that where well, I won't use it and I'll go back to it. I've used it a, a little bit and I need to hold myself a little bit more accountable as we're talking to more, maybe be more rigid with myself to schedule in my now more and more busy day to kind of say step, a, set a time aside, be it first thing in the morning. When you get up, bang, you do, you do this and then you go about your day. And I think the only, there's only one I did because ultimately they were struggling a little bit more with the mindset and was being a bit, a little bit more negative and dismissive of certain aspects. So I, so I did, t- so well, let's focus on this. And this was before they became a client because I picked on it. It's like, well, this is what needs fixing first is the mindset. You can build upon the the exercise and the and the diet then and after. Obviously, they've since become a client, so I can kind of give them. I can focus on the nutrition through the group, and then that's everybody get wins from it. The exercise I work with them one to one, and right up to the do there and after, and I can be able to 
give them feedback if and I need to do it as well because they said one exercise was a little bit too big so I might say well you need to back off a little bit because it shouldn't be nine out of ten from day one but whereas the mindset was very helpful to the kind of give them okay give headspace a look based on what you've told me on the consultation go with that obviously run with the free one for now I've got the paid version but so I think it gives you a little bit more and I think they've given since the lockdowns happened even more resources to be able to utilize but you've got the likes of i think calm brain fm and i think there's one other but i can't think of the top of my head but i think there's probably if you did there's loads of them yeah it's good google them and obviously you've got one yourself that you consult with in terms of what we spoke about Mm -hmm. last week that yours is looking to go down that route as well but i think i do it case by case i'll look at what is the priority with that specific client that consult in terms of well what do we need to focus on right now mm-hmm. some is more difficult than others because i've had conversations where people say i don't know and they're giving me solutions you do know but you aren't giving yourself grace to kind of say oh i do i do know i mm-hmm. do i give myself perspective but i think they just want that support more than they they deem whereas i've obviously been commended for my part in terms of when i've spoken to job it's like well you've got a plethora of core mechanisms i'm far from the finished article but i think because i've got a lot of ground resources subconsciously to work from be it sport or music exercise to be able to kind of say okay i feel a little bit down in the dumps today let me pick and pick and choose be it even if it's something creative, I can mm-hmm. kind of go, well, that's an outlet to be able to completely focus for five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, the whole day. I'll focus on that. And you can get lost. You can get lost in your sort of video gaming. Yeah. You can kind of go, go, go in your thought. Well, not in your thoughts, but you kind of, you're completely distracted and are in the moment. So I mm-hmm. think it is a case by case to answer your question. And I think I've become probably a better listener thereafter because of it. Uh, Before we close up, I want to, I'm just curious as to what you see the future, you know, what lies in the future. Will you be doing more of the hybrid model as you have the opportunity to come out of quarantine? Do you think, is there, are there some things that because you've been forced into doing things, a lot of things virtually have maybe enhanced your ability to do your work or will you go back to the old traditional face-to-face for everything? I think it's going to be, I think it'll probably be all three because ultimately the gym environment one is probably way off in terms of when you're going back to one-to-one in the gym. I'll probably wait because uh, it's been five years since I've done it anyway. So I, I, I'll probably wait, but it's given the consumer or the client or the person that wants to come work with the industry as a whole, more options to be able to work with. It's just, it's not just two options now. You've got three yeah. possibly maybe even more at, yeah. at four because obviously I've got boot camps but it gives the the person a little bit more scope obviously gyms themselves probably gonna have to adapt because that's that's a threat in itself of an online platform so they'll probably have to evolve I know my local gym was doing all that so that's whether or not that stays and the classes mm. themselves curtail a little bit because the ultimate, cause if you don't have to leave the house on a crap winter's day or night, 
because I live on the coast and you, same with you. Yeah. You're going to want to do it. So if that is built into their plethora of options that they give. Well, it's a wonderful the, thing that the consumer more chance. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing to have the different options and I think it gives us the ability to to reach a wider audience of people that really you can serve. And a lot of people do need what your positivity and your approach and I really want to applaud you for that. I think um you have just a, a a wonderful way of being and and I hope it's inspiring for others, not just amputees, but people that, you know, just want to have a little positivity and, and recognize how fortunate they are to have their capabilities. Anyway, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Before we go, I want to make sure folks can find you. We will have all of your information on the show notes. So if you're driving, which people are getting back to driving, I guess, these days. We're seeing a little uptick in the podcast. So don't worry about trying to write it down. It will be on the show notes. But can you just tell folks a little bit how they can find you so we make sure that we share that? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And that's the same. So just put the prefix of whatever social media that is and then put my name there on after. You will find me. I also have a podcast by the name of The Mindset Athlete, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, James. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did and you have not subscribed already, please do. You don't want to miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And if you really like the show, we always appreciate a rating and review. And please don't forget to share it with us so that we can give you a little bit of love back. So thanks to all of you for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.